This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host, researcher and entrepreneur, Ollie Tikkanen. So, so basically getting from inactivity to, to at least some activity is important. And now we have the new recommendations, which is that every step counts, everything is good. Uh, do you think we do a good job already communicating this to people? Do people understand it? We have it in the recommendations. How is the communication in your, your opinion? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it, it's getting better. I think a lot of people understand that physical activity is important. I'm I'm not sure we do as good a job um, underscoring that resistance training is important as well. So I think most people know that they should get some steps and be physically active. I think maybe people don't understand uh, how to do uh, resistance or muscle strength training. I mean, I'm talking now about old people, right? People who are 70 years old and who never learned about this when they were in school. So I think we can do a better job there. But, you know, I'll remind you that Pretty much everybody in the world knows that smoking cigarettes is bad for you. But that doesn't mean that smoking and tobacco are not huge public health challenges across the world. And so simply knowledge of what is good for you and what is bad for you is not always enough to persuade people to change their behavior, right? And we, we have probably 50 years of research into smoking cessation and how to help people change their behavior. And I think it's been very successful. And if you look at smoking rates around the world, they in many areas are, are, are encouraging. I, mean, I think there's still huge problems in many Asian countries and in the global South, but we do know how to help people change their behavior. Now, I would then ask the question, have we applied that knowledge to help people change their behavior in the realm of physical activity? And I would say, not nearly as much as we should have done, you know. So when a physician talks about smoking, they have been trained to evaluate the readiness to change of their patient and to adjust their communication based upon whether the person is in pre-contemplation phase, in contemplation, or in preparation for action. Have we trained our physicians, one, to ask questions about physical activity, and two, to assess where people are along uh, a, a continuum of readiness to change their behavior? I think we do a horrible job at that. And 
I think that we need to really push hard to make physical activity a vital sign that is discussed in every clinician visit in much the same way that alcohol, tobacco, and other risk factors are vital signs that are routinely discussed in the clinical interview. So there's, there's more work to be done there. For most sedentary behavior and physical activity researchers, collecting the research data is one of the most frustrating steps of a project, especially as inefficient data collection steals too much of your precious time, causes unnecessary stress and hassle, and can easily derail progress of your project. This is why we devised a revolutionary new way to collect data, Introducing Fibian Sense Motion, the beginning of a new era. Fibian Sense Motion is a cutting edge next generation system that allows you to easily and remotely collect, store, and manage data. Our solution features a tiny waterproof device that captures the sedentary behavior and physical activity data a mobile app for automatic uploading of the data from the device, and a cloud service for managing the data. Even better, all collected data is GDPR compliant, and you have access to automatically analyzed variables of activity types and raw three-axis accelerometer data. Don't compromise on the quality of your research or the project timeframes. Discover the convenience and power behind our solution at sense.fibian.com. That is S-E-N-S dot Fibian, created by researchers for researchers. So, so you said about smoking cessation, that it, it works pretty well. There's theory behind the, the clinicians have been trained. How would you compare the process of smoking cessation? It's, it's quite an addictive substance. The thing is stopping doing something while physical activity is starting doing something. How would you see the similarities that we can take from there and the differences that we need to take into account? Yeah, and, and you, you know, you were right that there are differences between stopping a behavior and adopting a behavior, but there are also significant similarities, right? So there will be individuals who are in the pre-contemplation phase of the behavior. They cannot imagine stopping smoking and are not ready to stop smoking. They absolutely cannot imagine themselves being physically active. So how do you move somebody from, from that absolute position, slightly over in the continuum to where they start to think, well, maybe I could do something like that. Well, one, one thing that is often done is to show people examples of success stories that they can relate to. People just like them who have actually changed their behavior. And, you know, I, I might quarrel with you a little bit, Ollie, that physically active lifestyles are only about 
the adoption of behavior and not about stopping behavior. I, I think that there are many behaviors such as binge watching, binge eating, that can be substituted with healthier behaviors. So it's a little bit of both. It's not just, well, you're going to keep doing everything you did, but you're going to add physical activity. It's about helping people make healthy choices and seeing themselves as individuals who can actually make those healthy choices. And that, that's about self-efficacy, right? That's about feeling empowered and enabled to do that. So yeah, yeah, there are differences between behavioral change uh, in alcohol and in smoking and in uh, physical activity, but the overall principles of understanding where the individual is and helping them act in a way that enables them to take responsibility for their own outcomes is, is really important. You know, we did a, a study where we, we, we were working with very frail older adults who um, oftentimes really couldn't really walk outside anymore. And we were looking at trying to motivate them to do some home-based uh, physical activity and, and mostly focusing on muscle strengthening. And we would ask them, what is it you would like to continue to be able to do for the next you know, year or two? And sometimes it would be, I want to be able to take a bath by myself, or I want to be able to go to the toilet without somebody helping me. And we would try to work with them to use those very personal factors as motivation to implement some kind of uh, uh, an intervention, you know? And, and I think those same principles are really useful. You know, if somebody is 65 years old and deconditioned, but they want to be able to accompany their children and their grandchildren on a, a vacation to Switzerland, and they're really worried about, am I going to be too tired? Am I going to be... Uh, too disabled in order to make that trip, then you can use that as a motivating factor to develop a physical activity program that's going to help them uh, improve their physical condition and to be able to do those kinds of things that they want. We need to find ways to empower people to make lifestyle choices that are meaningful to them. And uh, that means that we cannot be too dogmatic in our exercise prescription. You know, uh, I, I think it is crazy when people start debating, you know, the relative merits of 
cross-country skiing versus mountain biking versus uh, marathon running, uh, because that is so distant from the reality of most people's needs to be physically active. And so I'm, I'm very, very interested in figuring out ways to help people um, find the right choice for themselves. And, you know, for that reason, I'm very interested in environmental changes that can promote physical activity. You know, if, if you look at, you know, the structure of cities in some of the Northern European countries like uh, Denmark or Holland and the support for uh, active transportation for bicycling and, and walking, um, those were deliberate policy decisions that were made that have had a huge impact on population health and well-being. Um, you know, it's my understanding that Amsterdam after the war didn't look very different from London after the war. And there was a specific overt decision by the Dutch government to build an infrastructure that supported healthy behavior. And I, I think in countries around the world now, uh, more and more policymakers are beginning to consider those kinds of issues. Um, you know, where I live, much of the United States was designed to support the automobile. And only recently have we seriously begun to think about, boy, we've got streets that don't have what, what you call pavements and what we call sidewalks where people can walk safely. I mean, the streets that are only for automobiles, not to mention the lack of uh, bicycle lanes and bicycle trails. And we're, we're playing this game of catch up you know, how to, how to reverse engineer the mistakes that we have made in the past. And what's more, we're doing it in an environment where there are a lot of people who don't want to do this, who are quite happy driving everywhere, never walking, never riding a bicycle. And I, I actually admire countries, um, in Scandinavia and around the world that are actively trying to preserve an infrastructure that supports physical activity. Um, you know, my wife is, is from Brazil. I go to Brazil quite often. And there are some municipalities in Brazil that have spent a lot of energy and a lot of resources on creating pathways on which people can be physically active, can ride bicycles, uh, creating outdoor exercise stations where if people want to, to do some push-ups or sit-ups or strengthening exercises, they can do that at no cost. Now, those solutions are not perfect, but one of the things that, that it does is 
as you walk, cycle, or drive around those cities, you see many people publicly being physically active, and that helps change mentality, right? So the person who is the pre-contemplation person, the 50-year-old overweight male smoker, if he looks out the window and sees an 80-year-old grandmother out walking along the path along the, the coast, maybe that plants a seed like, how come she's doing that and I'm not? And if, if you combine that with public information campaigns, uh, I, I, I see a positive future. I, I really do believe that um, eventually we will be living in a society in which more and more people uh, recognize the benefit to themselves and the benefit to their loved ones and their community of adopting healthy choices, you know? I, I, I can, can tell you one more story before we have to leave. So, you know, even though I grew up in London, I have a lot of family in Poland. And when I was a younger man, I was a, a keen marathon runner. And so this was probably in the oh, I don't know, 1970s sometime. And I was in a part of Poland called Wrocław, uh, rural Poland. Uh, and I was going on a long training run. And I was running past a farm. And there was an old lady sitting in a chair right beside the road in this farm. And I, she sees me and she says, why are you running? And I said, because I like it. And then she says, where are you going? And I said, nowhere. And she shook her head and she was really, really confused, right? And I think now if you fast forward, well, probably almost not 50 years, but 40 years from there, I don't think that that lady would have asked those same questions because she would have been much more familiar with the concept of physical activity. But when you lived on a farm and you had a lifestyle that was physical activity from sunlight to sunset as part of the farm work, um, perhaps the concept of needing to build physical activity in your life was not quite as relevant or meaningful to you. But in today's world, where many of us have jobs that do not require physical activity, finding ways to regain our previously active lifestyles that our ancestors lived is so, so, so important. And I think it's fair to say that in 1970, in most countries of the world, 
you wouldn't have seen a 70 or 80 year old person out exercising in public, particularly if they were a woman. But today, you wouldn't think twice that, you know, you go into the street, you see an older person doing some physical activity, whatever it is. Um, that's perfectly normal. And, and for me, that's an indication of significant progress. And it's a suggestion to me that this is a path that we need to, to follow um, individually uh, within our communities and within our national strategy and national policy. Yeah, we need to finish in a few few minutes. But what would be your final final remarks about uh, healthy aging and physical activity for older people? I would encourage people to be flexible and to adapt to their circumstances. And I'll use myself as an example. So, for example, for many many years, I have uh, I, I live about. Oh, maybe eight kilometers from the university. And so I would run or maybe jog because I maybe don't run so fast anymore to the university and jog home at night. And that would be the way that I would get my physical activity. And I wouldn't have to go to the gym. Uh, I would do some strength training. But then the pandemic hit and I couldn't go to the university anymore. And I thought to myself, what am I going to do? And I have a three-year-old, well, actually, at the beginning of the pandemic, a, a one-and-a-half-year-old baby. And I told my wife, I'm just going to get up and take Daniela. I, I put her in uh, a bicycle carriage that has a weatherproof top that I can push. And I run with her every single morning. At somewhere around six uh, o'clock in the morning for for one hour exactly. And she sits and she watches uh, YouTube videos and uh, eats some breakfast. And I get my physical activity. But at the same time, my wife can take care of uh, getting the other three kids ready for the day. And so figuring out how to adjust to your circumstances in a way that maintains your personal commitment to physical activity is so important. And, you know, the, the number of times I hear from people, well, I just don't have time. I don't this. And the, the reality is that we all have plenty of time to make active choices But we've got to be creative and flexible. And, and, you know, when you have four young kids, you can't go to the gym. If I went to the gym, my wife would divorce me because every hour I spend in the gym, she's juggling four kids. But if I find ways to be physically active with my kids, uh, my, my son is a very keen bicyclist and we ride, uh, kind of cyclocross kind of riding every weekend. If I engage my kids in that kind of behavior, I'm setting them up for a lifetime of active choices. And so I would encourage all of the listeners here to constantly be flexible and to be thinking about how 
my lifestyle benefits me, but also how I can be an example for those people around me to help them make similar choices in their own lives. Great. Ollie, thank you so much for the opportunity to spend some time with you. Uh, I am, I've listened to a few of your podcasts, not enough, I'm afraid, but I think it's a, a wonderful thing that you and your group are doing. And I, I really wish you the very best. And uh, at this time of the year, I wish you the very best for the holidays and for the new year. Yeah. Thank you, Wojtek, for taking the time. It was, it was super interesting. Okay. Take care, my friend. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.